For everything you want to know about real estate, it's time to take action. Schedule today. Ron and Don sit down.com is the way. Here's my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 170 of the Ron and Don Show. We want to thank everybody for reaching out to us and saying, hey, I'm ready for a Ron and Don sit-down. What is that? We're licensed agents at Windermere, and because of our business, our real estate business, it allows us to do this podcast for free. Well, not exactly for free. That's why we have great sponsors like Les Schwab. We're live in the Les Schwab studios. And Ron, uh, Windermere, the sit-down, it's been a big deal during the pandemic, and we're really appreciative for everyone that's been Absolutely. You can go to runandonsitdown.com and schedule a sit-down. We also have our brand new buyer's book, seller's book. Uh, I just got an email today from uh, a gentleman whose daughter is starting to think about buying. He said, hey, send me the book. So I I sent him a a PDF of that. You can go through it. It answers a lot of questions. It also raises a lot of questions where you might go, wow, this is a process that I'm unfamiliar with and I want to educate myself a little bit. That's what we're here for. So get the book. Buyer's Guide, Seller's Guide, and or uh, schedule a Ron and Don sit-down. It's all at ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, if you're having an unhappy life, maybe the pandemic uh, could help you, believe it or not. Also, where does Washington State rank as far as its response to the pandemic? I think some of the new science that's out is a little bit shocking and... And what's going to happen to live cop shows like Cops and also live PD? It seems like some of those are beginning to get canceled as people are wondering, wow, Black Lives Matter. Uh, It seems like a lot of black lives are ending up on these cop television shows. So before we get to that, let's get to this, the passing of Eddie Van Halen. We talked about it in our last episode, but I thought this was really interesting. I was reading an article about the power of praise, and then I was watching all my friends, my generation, respond to this. I heard from my friend Danny, my friend Adam, my friend Christy Greenstreet. A lot of girls, a lot of girls love Van Halen and love Eddie Van Halen. As I looked into his life, I didn't realize what a great song writer he was i also didn't realize what an addict he was um and for the longest time he's the one that married valerie bertinelli who's on one day at a time remember schneider uh she was 20 years old he was a couple years older they got married he had severe addiction issues she was introduced to cocaine by eddie well do you know do you know why though so eddie a genius musician and uh, he had incredible stage fright so he Uh, loved to write he loved to produce. He loved to be in the studio with his brother, coming up with songs, learning new material. He has hundreds, probably thousands of songs on tape that uh, are just in his vault. Problem was the computer that where he stored all the information on the songs uh, got corrupted. And so it's just blank, not blank, but the, the labels would be like 1984, March. And so you, he doesn't know. He, it's like he's the only one that could go through and label everything. So someone's going to have to go through and archive all of that but he was he's kind of an introvert Mm. he was a guy that liked to be um just he was happy in the studio he built uh he told the city he was building a racquetball court at his house because he knew they wouldn't allow a studio but he had the designer make it like two foot thick uh concrete and then he made it into a recording studio so when he was 
going out on stage, he just couldn't do it. He was so nervous. Uh, he couldn't play right. He couldn't get loose. And he asked his father, who was also a musician. Um, I believe, though, if I'm not, it was something like a gypsy fiddle or a flute. Or he played. He was a musician, but not a rock musician. And so he's like, Dad, how do you do it? How do you go out there and play? Uh, and his father handed him a cigarette and handed him a cocktail. And he says, here's how you do it. Mm. And so it was his dad's advice that got him started. So he started smoking and having some drinks. And he found, you know what? I can. It does It does calm my nerves. So when I need to put on a guitar, go out and perform, as long as he took the edge off, quote unquote, he could perform. And then that progressed uh, to where he, he became a full-blown addict. And... Um, so, I mean, I don't want to blame his father because his father was just doing the thing that helped him, but Eddie took it and sort of ran with it, so to speak. It's interesting because Keith Urban will tell the same exact story about not wanting to get on stage and being an introvert. Tim McGraw will tell the exact same story about not wanting to get on stage. And it used to be he and his band would get blitzed before he'd take the stage. And then Faith one day said, hey, I'm, I'm out of here if you don't stop drinking. And in order to deal with the stage fright now, what he does, he does these incredible workouts before the show with his whole band. And then they do it when they used to drink after the show. Uh, they do another workout after the show together. So Stevie Ray Vaughan famously would get loaded to go out and play, play incredibly. And then to wake up in the morning, he would mix some coke cane into his whiskey mm. and take a shot just to get him back up and like out of bed the next morning yeah. well all that to say this we we see a lot of praise a lot of love for eddie van halen and somebody wrote a story about the power of praise and a lot of times in our culture because when we go online specifically uh and specifically on a place like twitter we're looking to be funny and usually we're looking to be funny at somebody else's expense. And along the way, our culture, and we see this, especially in this political climate right now, we forget to thank people. We forget to tell people how much they mean to us. And I notice that with all my friends and myself included in this, as we're talking and we're reminiscing about Eddie Van Halen, because that takes us back to 1984 and 1985. And as I talked before, is guys that were over dipping and wondering, how the heck do we get out on the dance floor and actually dance with girls? It was Van Halen and the song Jump that allowed us to do that because now the guys had something to do when we went out on the floor. We would just jump around. As a football team, uh, we could do that. I say that, though, because I was reminded this week, I was reminded to take some time and to really appreciate some of the people in my life. Uh, so I reached out as, as a result of Eddie Van Halen's death. And this may sound weird to people. And as a result, result of reading this article, uh, I reached out to three people. And two are my niece. One is my niece who's in Australia right now. And my late sister only went overseas one time. And she went to Australia. And my sister was a praise and worship leader. Her name was Colleen. And she had a young lady, had a daughter with uh, the help of her husband by the name of Annie. And Annie decided that she wanted to be a praise and worship leader too and following her mom's footsteps. So she's in Australia right now. And I haven't seen her in an awful long time. And I, I call her the bear, Annie Bear. 
And I hadn't reached out to her in a long time and just tell her what I was thinking about her. It's like, and I always think about her, but I never tell her. And so I reached out to her and she's trapped in Australia right now. She can't come home and see her family for the holidays. And I know that she'd probably like to do that, uh, but she can't travel. There's, there's, there's travel restrictions in Australia and as far as come to the United States. So it opened up that dialogue or my other niece who I reached out to who just had her first baby and she just had, she's, it's my sister, Beth. It's her daughter. Uh, my niece, Caroline named after my grandmother, sweet Caroline, uh, not only has this little baby, but she's in real estate now. So we have a lot of things to talk about her and her husband, David. And I just haven't reached out in a long time and told her the way that I feel about her. Uh, so I did that. And then also, uh, one of our mentors at, at Windermere, I just, uh, and, and you know her, Tamara Marson. I reached out to Tamara and just said, Hey, you know what? I just want you to know, uh, real estate right now, it's pretty crazy. And you and I know this cause we've been, and we've been rolling at this for, for almost two years now. Uh, and we have a lot of business cause of a lot of our listeners have come to us and they've embraced us and, and we appreciate that so much. But I hadn't taken the time lately to just tell her, I appreciate you, and then not ask a real estate question after that. Just say, hey, I appreciate you. And specifically, here's why I appreciate you. And she appreciated that so much when I did that. Is this where, are you going to heap some praise on me? Would you like to tell me <laughs> how great I am right now? No, I think, I, I think sometimes, and I know that you were just visiting with your parents and, and, and you just showed me something and I don't know if you're shared or not, but you shared an artifact that your father had given to you that I thought I was deeply moved by that. And the reason I'm deeply moved, because I think sometimes as people get older and they see that they're not always going to be around, they start taking things that they love, that they care about, and they give those things away to people that they love and care about. So I thought it was a beautiful uh, gesture. I, I also part. saw that article on, uh, on Eddie Van Halen, and, and I think it's great that you did that with your nieces and with our coworker, but also talked about the, the, the exercise, the, the takeaway in the article was you could have reached out to Eddie Van Halen. And you probably would have, he probably would have read it if you did it the right way. So he's like, he had a gear company. He had his guitars that he made. He had the Eddie, the Van Halen fan club. Uh, he had a social media page. If you crafted and took the time to really sit down and you're not asking for anything, you're just saying what he meant, what his music meant to your life. And you sent that to his manager or you sent it to the, you know, guitar manufacturer. There's a really good chance that he would get that mm. if it was a, a really nicely crafted message. Now, you don't have to write 16 pages, but a couple paragraphs uh, that Eddie Van Halen probably would have got that. Mm. Uh, and, and so I think if there are these giants in our lives and many times it's someone that, that just touched you at the right time, an author or I mean, it could be a podcaster, it could be a musician, tell them what they meant to you. Like there are albums, I think that all formed a, a really big. Sh they cast a really big shadow in our lives, or a book, or a movie actor, or someone. Um, I think the act of putting it down in words and really clarifying what it meant to you and uh, putting that out there in the universe, even if they never read it, the fact that you did that, someone's going to read it. Probably the, the person at the, the, the shop or the management company or whatever, most likely it's going to be read. And uh, the act of writing that as an adult, it's different than when you're a teenager and you're just like, oh my God, you're so cute or whatever. Like it actually had meaning in your life. 
I think I can't help but think of the the resurgence right now of Fleetwood Mac, the song Dreams. Uh, if you don't haven't seen this on TikTok, Dreams, the song from like 30, 40 years ago, is is in the top ten right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Because there's a guy that uh, it was a beautiful day in California. It's a dude that uh, he's probably in his late forties, and so he got his skateboard. He found this hill that he likes to skateboard on, and he started skating while playing the song Dreams, and for whatever reason, he had a half gallon of diet cranberry juice, mm-hmm. and so he's looking into the camera, he's lip syncing to Dreams, every uh, 30 seconds or so, 15 seconds, he takes a swig of diet cranberry juice, <laughs> and there's a beautiful California hill- hillside behind him, and it just he was just vibing to Dreams, man. <laughs> He's like living his dream, awesome. playing dreams, singing along dreams. But this thing caught fire, hmm. and everybody in the world started to make their version of their vibe song. And so it culminated with Mick Fleetwood in his probably late 70s, I think now, getting on a skateboard with Diet Cranberry Juice and lip syncing to his own song. <laughs> And so it came full circle, and everybody. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, I, I can show you the video. And so Mick Fleetwood now is uh, vibing to the song. Everybody's doing the cranberry juice song. Yeah. Um, and, and the the point being is like that song meant something to him. When he's having a perfect day mm. and the sun is just right and he's cruising on his skateboard, that's his jam. That's his song. And so I think if you reach out to people, and we get this every once in a while, we'll get an email just like, hey, man, I was, I, I've done this. There was a specific guy that when I was going through my divorce that just listening to his podcast, uh, and there's another guy on YouTube where I would watch his videos. Hmm. They just helped me. I don't know what it was about their voice or their point of view in life. It had nothing to do with my situation. It just helped me. And I've reached out to both of them over the years. Uh, the guy on YouTube, I made a donation to a charity that he said was important to him in his name. And I sent him a screenshot and just said, hey, Frank, your videos helped me. And I donated this in your name. Hmm. And so, and he responded. Yeah. Hey, he gets hundreds hundreds of, of requests online and he saw that one and he just gave me a quick response that's all awesome. uh, knowing that i took the time to donate in his name so like it, it means something i think to creators to know that their work has done what they intended it to do sidebar did you watch uh, jack white and his dedication to eddie van halen on saturday night live i haven't seen it i saw the thumbnail i haven't watched it yet i didn't get it because i i watched it and then i'm like I don't understand any of the songs he's playing, singing. These must be like Van Halen songs, maybe from the vault that you were just talking about. No, no. So, I, then, I, so then I went and I read on his... Ball and a Biscuit? That, that, that's a Jack White song. Well, that's a White Stripe I, song. I, ran, I, I read on Instagram that he specifically didn't want to do any of the popularized Van Halen songs because he said he wasn't worthy. And so he said the only thing that he was that he wanted to do is he wanted to play his Eddie Van Halen guitar. So he took a picture, uh, and I didn't know that Eddie Van Halen had his own guitars, but he took a picture. He wrote something really beautiful on his Instagram about playing on Saturday Night Live, and then it's just a picture of the the Eddie Van Halen guitar. And Eddie Van Halen had that guitar specifically made with specific 
specifications for Jack White. So. Yeah, and like Andy's first guitar that he made commercially was called Wolfgang. He named it after his son, Wolfgang. Uh, and he's had a lot of different models, but it's it's a pretty special yeah. special thing that he did. That's cool. All right. Hey, speaking of praise, uh, we come back. A pastor just had a praise and worship service down in Nashville. On his family down there. 10,000 people showed up. No masks, no socially distancing. And they embraced the fact that it was a super spreader event. We'll talk about that next and also how does Washington State respond to the pandemic? Because it's kind of where it all started, you guys. I think there's a new article out that's going to surprise you. We'll talk about that on the other side of this. I don't think we'd have this house if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. <laughs> Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for, and I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show, episode 170. Again, if you want to buy our book or sell our book, Ron and I wrote these books. We spent a lot of time on them over the past year, uh, and we just gave one to a family. Their daughter was a brand new buyer, and mom, dad, daughter were able to sit down. I'm going to call that a bestseller. <laughs> we have written a bestseller. Yeah, so we can send you a paper copy of it. Uh, just reach out to Ron, Ron at windermere.com. I'd prefer to send you the digital copy because it saves me on postage. It's easier for you to read. But yeah, we got them both, buyer and seller. You're going to love it. It starts the conversation for you and gets you thinking about the process of either of those paths. Yeah. All right, let's hit some headlines right now. Uh, there is a television show by the name of Live PD that's just been canceled. Uh, this was a television show that would take live feeds uh, and dispatch 911 calls from around the country. And then they would jump in police cars like we've seen on the television show Cops. It's also been canceled. And Cops is big right down here in Pierce County. They, there was a sheriff down south who just got indicted because what he was doing is if they were serving an arrest warrant... Uh, if he knew that Live PD was showing up, he would go get the full battle rattle. He would go get the tank. Uh, they would put on all the gear, and then they would bust down someone's door. Uh, and sometimes they'd end up hurting people as a result of this overreaction. Uh, a lot of 
men and women on his police force, they became television stars, started playing toward the cameras, and it was more about TV ratings, because this is a big show on Friday nights all around the country. Uh, as a result of his indictment now, that show that was started by Dan Abrams from MSNBC, uh, and he also was a big part of court TV during the O.J. Simpson uh, trials, uh, it has now been canceled. What do you think should happen with cop television shows like Live PD? Because the producers of that defend it, and also the producers of cops in general, they defend it. And they said, hey, you know what we're doing? We're putting cameras on police officers and holding them accountable. And the other side is saying, no, you're not. You're making black and brown people, uh, some of them in their worst moments, uh, you are framing them. Uh, and it's not fair. It's not right. And these, these shows shouldn't come back. What do you yeah, think? My thinking has, has been evolving about this because the law and order drum, um, which is getting beaten pretty heavily right now in an election season, you don't have to dig too deep to uncover the thing that you just said. And so when you think about the whole spectrum of criminality, you've got sort of low-level street crime, then you know violent street-level crime. But then if you go all the way up to the other side of the spectrum, when you have things that are probably more harmful to society— White call and it's called white collar crime. A white collar crime that it maybe is stealing identities, uh, giving out you know passwords and social security numbers online, uh, doing tax evasion, um, criminality in terms of underrepresenting what you paid in your taxes. Let's say uh, taking advantage of municipalities where you're getting uh, refunds for millions of dollars that would have gone in to social services. So when you think about those type of crimes, you don't have have people with television cameras bursting into uh, a Bear Stearns uh, boardroom or fill-in-the-blank boardroom and saying, aha, you guys <laughs> tax evaded $72 million and therefore this YMCA got shut down in your town. Mm. Uh, you know, that, that that doesn't make for good TV because it's a little more complicated. It's much easier to bust through a door and go, aha, you got two joints on your table, you're busted or whatever. Um, so to me, the more I learn sort of about culture and the more I pay attention to black and brown voices it's like yeah that that is disproportionate not only that it reinforces a a storyline um that is tilts the balance away from them power wise and paints this narrative that you're dangerous you need to be controlled we need a police force to keep you in your lane Uh, all of these negative tropes are built into that um when really the damage done by an individual street-level crime is not as great, in my mind, as the damage done by some of these high-ticket uh, crimes that are happening right under our noses. And we sort of go, yeah, but what are you going to do about that? Yeah, uh, Politico, more headlines now. Uh, they just rank states and governors as far as the reaction to the pandemic. Uh, and they freely admit that it all started here probably in Washington State. Uh, Vermont ranks number one as far as their response goes, because virtually in in Vermont, there is no COVID-19. And Washington State, Jay Inslee, ranks number two. Hmm. What do you think about that as far as response? And people are really banging the drums. And I understand 
why people are banging the drums for kids to go back to school. Because this has gotten really very difficult as a parent standing here. Uh, I am worn out, man. I am just, and I'm not worn out for my son. I'm just worn out by the curriculum that doesn't work, by the computers that don't work. I'm not great on computers anyway. And then on top of that, computers are just keep crashing. Uh, and, and the teacher, he, he and I, I email him a couple times a week and he freely admitted at any given time, uh, during class, he cannot have the whole class online at the same time. It just doesn't happen. And so when my son is not on, I don't know unless I'm sitting next to him, what lesson he missed, uh, what lesson he completed. So there's really a drum roll. And then also the heartbreaking, especially with a lot of the, uh, restaurants that we love, a lot of the small businesses that we love. People are like, wow, you know, the Amazons of the world, the Costco's, the big box stores, they get to stay and thrive. And it's these small businesses right now that are getting crushed. And you see what gamers they are, especially a lot of these restaurants that have basically, uh, by where I live, they've built picnic tables. Uh, they've closed down streets. They've created parklets. Now they're trying to cover those. Ethan Stoll is doing uh, covering a lot of this outside seating, which basically is like, well, you might as well just go back inside and sit now that you're covering that. What, what is your take? Because people, small business, parents, they're like, yeah, we appreciate what Jay Inslee did, but take the gloves off a little bit and let us get back and, and, and compete. Uh, people find it hard, I believe, to appreciate something that didn't happen. So, and that's what we're asking them to do. When we're ranked number two in response, what that means is you didn't have people died that would have died if you were in a different response. That's really hard. It's, it's hard to drive along and go, I didn't have an accident on my way to work. That's great. You sort of expected to not have an accident. Sorry. And so it's not yes. something that you value very much really until point. you have an accident. Yeah. Um, I just got back from a red state where my parents live. Very, very different. It was very uh, alarming to me coming from Washington State to walk into a restaurant in Florida and have no social distancing, no masks on, uh, everything to be voluntary, to go to a grocery store and for the, the, them to be flaunting, hey, we're, we're Trump people, we got our giant Trump billboard in front of the parking lot, and you, don't, you do what you want to do. You want to wear a mask? Wear it. You don't want to wear a mask? Don't wear it. Don't tell us what to do. So the the vibe of that, mm. and you see the number of COVID cases that you have in that state. Mm. Uh, so it's it, it's kudos to Washington for clamping down and having a system that's not perfect, that's not fair, uh, but it is cobbled together by lack of leadership from the national level. So the the feds basically said, figure it out, states. And because of that, each state has had to figure it out independently on their own. Obviously, some have done better than others. Um, and I think it's just a vacuum of federal. Like, in my mind, we should have had federal guidelines on this to take the pressure off of individual governors. But instead, it was used as a wedge in an election year. Yeah. My son said to me yesterday, we were doing homework together and we're learning about politics. And he looked at me and goes, Daddy, did you know that? President Lincoln was the first Republican president of the United States. I said, that's interesting. He said, do you know that Donald Trump is also a Republican? I said, yeah, I knew that. He said, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 170. Don't forget the website is ronanddonsitdown.com, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Our thanks to Les Schwab's. Uh, Les Schwab for sponsoring the Ron and Don show today. We started uh, 170 talking about uh, the power of praising other people and telling them that they're doing a great job. Uh, something that I learned to do from a friend of mine a long time ago, he said, whenever you have a building project going on, he said, as much as you can, cook for the crew, run and get them something to drink, make them something hot to eat, uh, grab them something, whatever you can do. Because uh, he said, you know what? Working men and women... They appreciate when someone appreciates them because they don't get appreciated a lot. Uh, and a lot of times, these men and women, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a little project with a day that's going on at my house. And do you remember when the rain, or I think, Ron, you were out of town, but the rain was coming down sideways, you guys, the other day. And I fully expected that Miguel and his crew, along with Hector, I thought they were just going to call in and say, hey, uh, we're taking the day off. I fully expected that. And we're talking the kind of windstorm that was picking up uh, furniture from outside and throwing it up against my house, things flying across the backyard. And along with that windstorm came a lot of rain. These guys showed up at 6.30 in the morning. They ran their lines. If you don't know what that means, it means they just they have to put out all their power cords in order to run all their tools. So they ran all their lines, and then in my neighborhood, they were allowed to start making noise at 7 o'clock. And I was startled, because in my uh, waking my son up, and I was startled at 7.01 that those guys were out there working uh, in, this, in this incredible downfall. And they work 10 to 12-hour days out there. And I said, you know what? I need to let these guys know that I appreciate them. And also, uh, I want to demonstrate this for my son because I, I would like him to grow up and be a appreciative person so he he's in the other room right now so i have to be he wouldn't want you to know he's been practicing on his trumpet the mexican mariachi song and i don't know if you ever heard it before la cucaracha no you know what i'll have him bring his trumpet next time right. maybe play it for you sure. so he was practicing his trumpet, and I said, hey, what if we invited the guys inside? We'll go upstairs, we'll socially distance, we'll, we'll wipe everything down, and then I'll run to the store, I'll buy some food, and we'll make these guys some dinner uh, or some, some lunch, and we'll invite them to come in and, uh, and enjoy a hot lunch. So he thought that that was a great idea. So I made the lunch, we invited the guys to come in, my son was up at the top of the stairs, uh, playing the Mexican uh, mariachi song, uh, and it was great. Anyway, as we're kind of heading into, well, I don't think we're heading into the election cycle. I think we're in the middle of it. Uh, I wrote something, and then I want to share with you before we get out of here today. Uh, it says this, and uh, in, in I'm just going to title this, Document This, okay? Uh, I grew up in New Mexico with hardworking uh, Hispanic men. Uh, Miguel and his crew... At my house, they started this morning at 6.30 in the dark, and the rain uh, was coming down it's sideways, and I was staying home, but not these guys. These are the crews that we see day in and day out throughout our city, and while we kind of bitch and moan uh, here on Facebook, and I know I do sometimes, I do this, you guys, I'm guilty of it too, I get caught up in this politics, uh, these men and women 
they're just not swinging hammers and they're doing it 10 to 12 hours a day and they're doing it to feed their families. And they're actually doing jobs that a lot of us don't want. That's right. And they have this sense of familia that they call it. And to me, it's really amazeballs. All they ever ask is for us to, yeah, provide a bathroom, a banya. Uh, I'm very humbled by how hard these men come and they work at my home. So we decided to take a moment from our distance learning to cook for them today. G gave them a serenade. So I put up pictures of that on my Facebook page. And like you, we're on a budget, but we wanted to cook and play our best for them. So we went out and we bought the best steaks uh, that money Goodbye at the QFC. Anyway, the song my son uh, played for them at lunch is called the Mexican Mariachi. And uh, thanks to all of you uh, that work out in the rain, outside with a tool in your hand. Maybe we all need to stop our bitching once in a while and pick up a tool and join you. Love and respect to the boys at Bayshore. That's the name of the company where these gentlemen are from. My thanks to Nestor, to Victor, and to Miguel. Gracias, amigos. Love, Ron, G-Force, and Charlie the dog. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts? You just want to see your parents and uh, man, only so many more Christmases, only so many more birthdays. I'm so glad that you got to go see them, but I know in a pandemic with a plane ride from here to there, uh, that had to be a little harrowing too. I bet. The plane ride wasn't my favorite. Six hours and 43 minutes on a plane with a mask. But yeah, it is, uh, it is great to see family. My brother and sister both were able to make it. So it was pretty much a family reunion. Uh, we didn't have all the nieces and nephews. Well, we don't have any nephews. All the nieces uh, weren't able to make it, but uh, all the, the, the main players. So that was it was really great uh, to get every around. My mom made her world-famous lasagna that you've had before. Yeah. So we had that a couple times. Got to go to Waffle House with Pops. Uh, so it was a good trip uh, that, that everybody had. So it was great to see the family. And, um, you know, you, I, I want to say I'm going to try to do it more frequently, but I'm still fresh off of that flight <laughs> with a bunch of yahoos. And uh, it was, yeah. That's a, I, I think, since we live in the land of Boeing, is there a longer nonstop flight where you're still in the continental U.S. than Fort Lauderdale to Seattle? Maybe Portland, Maine to San Diego? Like, I think that's the longest. A couple more hours, I would have been in Tokyo. Hey, at least they had rental cars. Pile high. Don't, get, don't get me started. <laughs> there were some frustrations this trip. But it, it was, I'm glad I went. <laughs> hey you guys you keep your head up your shoulders back and uh, we'll see you next time thanks for listening to episode 170 it means the world to us if you need to reach out just go to ronandonsitdown.com and we can send you that ebook too you guys if you're buying selling just uh, go to ron at windermere.com we appreciate it love you and we'll see you next time only on the Ron and Don Radio Ron and Don Ron and Don Ron and Don Ron and Don Ron and Don. <laughs> on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> <laughs>